is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, I'd say it's time to step back and take a breather, maybe. Maybe take a break because it's international break week, which, by the way, totally sucked. Uh, you know, three matches in, we already have to take a break. But it was good time, Dan, to to review the summer shopping spree that may or may not have been uh, and kind of just assess where Chelsea are at now that the window is officially closed and Matt Law can take a nap. Yeah, I think our, our friend Matt Law is probably enjoying a nice little afternoon reprieve, I think, for Brice Romano after his... 12 plus hour twitch stream hopefully has gotten a little bit of shut eye it's in general nick i think we don't necessarily feel like we've lost as much sleep as them we're not going to put ourselves in that cat is you know category or stratosphere i think i would say maybe one or two sleepless nights though angsting over some of this so it's nice to i don't know i feel like i had a good night's sleep last night yeah i mean we we don't pretend to have insider info <laughs> i mean we don't we don't make up stuff. We don't steal stuff from journalists. We credit them uh, where we should. Uh, so, yeah, it's a pretty chill window when you're just doing the right thing and crediting real sources of, of information. So, yeah, it's been pretty great. Well, I think uh, per usual, we don't need to veer too far off the path. I think we should kick it off with uh, what we're going to be getting into and obviously the classic three word match review. But look, we're going to talk about. I'm not even a fan of this phrase, but this whole better call Saul, I get it. I get the reference, Nick, don't worry. All right, Breaking Bad. Uh, just not my favorite because I don't he, think he's... He knew. He knew He yeah. knew a reference to a yep. topical or pop culture related item. This is wonderful. He's learning. Sur- surprise. Uh, look who's back in Bettinelli. Wow, absolutely shafted the goalkeeper with nothing uh anyways that rounded our incoming transfers this window we'll give our grades we'll talk about the outgoings there are quite a few and we'll close the books with the window at the final grade but first dan let's run through some of these quite delightful three word match review for the transfer window yeah the three word transfer window reviews brandon so the acronym is a little different the the theory and the intention behind it is the same uh mb Dolly with the marina called saul we had bert cubed with the hold the rice i mean it's coming a future window uh eli with the TikTok clock uh, clock block um ultra ernie with the pretty pretty good verts with the that shit cray pillow with the second to psg since he deemed that we are the uh basically second runners up to PSG in terms of transfer window. Patrick with the on off on RJ with the for the ages, Mr. Hatton clogs with the big roms back. Why not us? Let's fucking go. So that uh, almost haiku style three word match review building on one another. Shane with the tick tack toe little, uh, El Tringrito, uh, reference there. And then Tana with the, it's Saul happening. Hmm. Yes. Uh, by the way, Shane, uh, back to class, sir. Okay, you said you're taking a break. Take your break, even if you're going to engage with us. Come on now. Uh, you're Nick, not, what about- you're not even his real dad. Just chill <laughs> out, man, okay? Yeah, he's going to be like, I'm getting harassed from a podcast. Uh, Nick, what about Brand you? Dad. <laughs> Brand dad. Um, close to perfect. You know, I, I, I think perfect for Chelsea this window would have been uh, some sort of Declan Rice plus Lukaku situation. Uh, but but very close indeed. And I think more than the incomings, the fact that we had a, 
a handful of outgoings that I think will will benefit the squad long term is is also pretty good. So uh, close to perfect. All right, I had winning net spend. That seems to be one thing that we are quite good at. At it the, doesn't matter. It's a, at the at the uh, at the detriment to a lot of fans' mental health, unfortunately. Uh, Dan, what about you? I went with the let's define masterclass because I feel like that word has varying levels of definition and hyperbole. And I would like to, in this conversation we have about transfers, redefine maybe how we use that word. You calling out Marina? I'm just saying that maybe we're Ooh. overblowing what. So in, in your mind, masterclass is akin to when someone says, oh, he's a Chelsea legend. Like Yes. Yeah, we, okay. we are we are overusing the term in my mind, but we can okay. get we'll, we'll, that will become more clear as we talk about the incoming <laughs> and outgoing. This is this is Dan Dormer, and you're listening to my masterclass. Boom. Yeah, this will be good to get into uh, for sure. But we're gonna have to wait for that one a little bit. Uh, before that, uh, massive shout outs to Joshua and Thomas for jumping on Patreon and hanging out in the Discord. They do get access to the Ted Lasso video podcast that we cover every week. Except this last week, we'll get back to you on that one. And then six Apple Podcasts, Dan. A little bit of a low week for you, but that's okay. That's okay. They took it easy on me. They knew it was transfer window week. They decided to leave the five-star reviews to this week as they're listening right now to jump on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review to help people find the show. But Norm, 1991155 from the U.S., Roy for Prez, Joe M, 1892, Opfilif, and uh, Fletch WA3 from Australia, and then Lady Lasso from the U.S., all leaving wonderful five-star reviews. We greatly appreciate it. If you haven't yet, we'd highly recommend leaving one so more people can find the show. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the details of the transfer window, and we'll start with the incomings. Again, it was only the three players, uh, Romelu Lukaku, Sal Niguez, and Marcus Bettinelli. Um, Saul first, Nick. Better call, yada, yada. It's all about Saul. Um, this one got left to the really the actual 11th hour of the PM time uh, on a clock. It almost actually didn't go through due to a technical error on the Spanish club side. But here we are. We picked up Saul. Hasn't really played in a couple years for Atletico Madrid. They were happy to move him off. He's 26. I think 19 caps for Spain. Phil's a part of the, the the team that we felt needed depth, but you, you still have yet to smile when I say his name. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm actually more like after hearing him on his, on his, uh, Twitch stream yesterday, I'm more excited than I thought I'd be. Mm -hmm. Um, he seems like a guy who's really hungry to prove that he can still be an elite midfielder in Europe. And, and he's only 26, but he's had a, you know, not the best couple of years. I think, you know, if you read a lot of the um, analysis of him, he's been moved around in a lot of positions. I think most recently played fucking left back for Simeone. Left wing back. Ah, okay. Because that's the same as a central midfielder uh, would do. So, um, yeah, it's it's just, it's an odd one. It, it may, may be a little falling out with Simeone, you know, whatever, but... I think when we've seen him, and we played Atletico Madrid uh, recently in the Champions League, uh, he can be a really tidy player. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to come in here and, and blow us away, but if he can come in and play a role like Kovacic has uh, over the past, uh, you know, handful of years, that's that's a really useful player that we just added to the squad. And given that, you know, N'Golo Kante might have some. 
you know, lingering ankle issues. And Jorginho's played about 9 billion minutes uh, over the summer and last year. And, you know, Kovacic has really never been 90-minute fit, you know, if we're honest with ourselves. He's always been kind of an early sub or, or a substitute off the bench. Uh, if we can get a, a soul healthy uh, and, and playing, you know, he's a left-footed midfielder. He can slot in on a different side than we're used to. I think, I think this is actually a pretty shrewd signing and only a 30 million euro buyout if we want to go get him next year, which is, you know, I mean, you find that in the couch cushions these days, it seems like. So yacht cushions, yeah, yacht, yacht cushions. You're right. You're right. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I I think it's a tidy piece of business. I mean, it's not who I want in that midfield. We all know that I want Declan Rice, but if you can't get Declan Rice, it's a pretty uh, useful equation to potentially open yourself up for that next year too. All right, Dan, how many acronyms are you going to throw at us when talking about so Oh, I don't think I'm going to throw out a ton of acronyms, but, you know, just looking at his match log from last season on FB ref. So there's we'll, we'll go we'll go through the number of positions that he's listed at. So he has DM. He has left mid. He has center mid. He has wing back, just general wing back. He has right mid right wing attacking mid. Um, let's see here left mid he has one game where he was left mid dm and a left back and then also a game where he was a forward so we're up to nine different spots that Simeone played him in last season so i can understand and this kind of talks to you know hit some of his why right he wants to come in he talked in his interviews about how tuchel is going to play him in that central mid position brings competition to the likes of kovacic uh Jorginho, and to Conte for that midfield three you know the two spots we have typically three players now four who also gives us someone who likes to score too you know on average he gets about 3.1 goals a season so he potentially could triple Kovacic's total goal output uh over the last three seasons in one season uh obviously he has not had as many uh, assists you know in terms of his total kind of contribution over the last three seasons comparatively he had 11 goals in his last three seasons and two assists uh Kovacic one and seven uh Jorginho two non-penalty goals uh, and a handful of assists so I mean he also can bring attack output to the midfield in a way that maybe we don't have amongst that trio currently. I mean, that, that's a, it's an interesting point though, Dan, right? Like think about the way that our team plays though. You don't like you, you would love if Ingolo Conte or Jorginho or any of these guys would step up with non-penalty goals in a game. You would love it, but we don't rely on them to do that. In fact, they're, they're, they're largely there to shield, protect and advance the ball. Um, and if he can come in, keep it simple, Right. Do the do the job that's right in front of you. Don't you know? Try and recreate your famous Champions League goal that you scored. Then, then I think he's going to be really useful uh, if he comes in and tries to do too much, and and our midfield breaks, and we allow easy goals, you know, or whatever. Then, then it won't be as good. But if he comes in and is a really good partner to whoever else, you know, whichever of the other three is with him in mid- midfield then it's a great signing, and there are too many matches uh, that we have to play for him not to get really good minutes this year. Brandon, you also have to remember, this is a World Cup year. He wants to get back into the Spain squad at some point, and you know, if he can have a pretty good run with Chelsea, you know, there's there's no reason why he can't make that Spain team. Yeah, so a couple of things I think here is uh, I have him pegged to compete with Kovacic as well. Um, they, they seem in that vein where 
you know where you're going to get from Jorginho. So you kind of just, you know, let him be what he is. But Kovacic would probably, or I'm sorry, Kovacic and, and so I think add something different versus Conte as well. So, you know, he's six foot, so he has three more inches on Kovacic because I always go back to, oh, we have a short midfield. Unless Ruben Loftus-Cheek is slotting in, which I don't think is going to happen this season. So we'll at least add some height, especially when you compare him to Kovacic and Conte. So, you know, if, if nothing else, maybe he'll have some utility defensively as well. Um, but look, I mean, he's a player that just needs stability. I mean, the way that uh, Simeone's used him as a, a utility player, I believe he described it. Uh, he knows where he's going to play in this team. And what I do like is that he has a chip on his shoulder, you know, something to prove. He's not just kind of a castaway luxury loan player. I mean, he he's looking to resurrect his career, Nick, as you had pointed out, too, at the World Cup and the Spanish national team. So uh, I think that's all good. And we still have a Spanish contingency here, right? Sounds like Kepa might have been involved. Uh, obviously, he's going to you know be able to talk to Marcos Alonso and Aspie. Uh, so just at a minimum, having kind of that comfort uh, in, in the locker room, it will make a big difference. So um, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's really good business by the club. Again, to your point, uh, a reasonable loan fee, an unbelievably low in this day and age uh, buy clause. Um, and Atletico aren't the dumbest club out there. I mean, they just hustled Barcelona. <laughs> oh, did they? Can we talk about Ooh. bad owner, bad management? Because Barcelona is absolutely there. There's a masterclass in bad management. <laughs> that is what that is. Oh man, I, I want John Taffer from Bar Rescue to go into Barcelona <laughs> oh, and run a special. <laughs> my God, grown men will be crying. But to my point, right, Atletico tend to you know be better than average i mean they so my point is i think this is really good business at all in all for the club and uh is it the fans favorite signing no but from a pragmatic standpoint it makes uh it makes a lot of sense i think he's also just 26 he's not this is not a 31 year old has been midfield he still has at least six or seven years of prime play and his career most likely and I, that's the other thing. Like your your five million dollar loan fee or five million euro, I should say, loan fee is nothing in this market. It, it we we basically have sold more than we brought in in transfer fees again. And it's like this is just one of those moves to me that if you can't get a primary target like we've talked about in the past, dear God, don't buy Zappa Costas and drink waters. Find a sensible loan. You know, the Kovacic loan a couple of years ago, very sensible. This loan, very sensible. Maybe they pan out. Maybe they become player of the year candidate and, and you buy them for, a, again, a very low fee. But this is really good business, especially if you have your eye on someone else who you may want to buy in the other part of London later. The, the, the best thing is that he could potentially play himself into a position where he is the number one midfielder in our team. Like well, that would be the well, ideal. Well, I'm just we saying. We like, have it, one it, of those. Just, if his target, right, is going to be how am I number one on the depth chart, right? All I'm saying and is Conte. He'll, he'll be happy with number two, Dan. I understand. Dan, we have the UEFA player of the season in this team, Dan. Okay? <laughs> oh, no. The UEFA oh, player no. of the season. You're, you're telling me that Saul is going to come in and displace the UEFA player of the season? Right. Look, right. I think the you're a little sarcastic right there. I'm just trying to me? say that his goal coming in is is really first i think going to be how do i get above kovacic on the depth chart and then how do i 
make myself a starting option. And he seems like he is determined and mentally there to go do it. And the best thing could be is that if he is challenging both of those other two players, those player of the year, player of the season individuals to level up their game too, that everybody wins in that regard. Well, there is room on the right side of the defense if he wants to go back to that place because apparently we don't have enough depth or maybe we do because the uh, Jules Kunde deal is nada. Even though many of your beloved ITK accounts told you it was a done (laughs) deal months ago. It unfortunately was not because Sevilla... I'm just going to be really like blunt about this, Dan. There's some greedy bastards. Well, it, you know, you, look, you, ha- you have a player, you have a release clause. They're allowed to set the terms of the negotiation. They and so, did like, set the terms and came to an agreement with Chelsea and then changed the, the, the yardage at the did end. Did the club? Because the, the what, you know, Monchi has come out and said afterwards is that he, <laughs> no, that they, they, they did not have it set. I so, I mean, ultimately, him. look, I, 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 to me, this was not a deal we needed to do. Like, so I am not super nonplussed about this because in general, like I, if I look at what we need, I actually think having Trev Chaloba there and having Reese James playing right wing wakes, you know, right wing back makes way more sense than trying to bring in Jules Kunde and then having 5'9 Kunde with 5'9 Reese James with potentially a forward attacker. I mean, it's it most likely who's not going to be coming back with a midfield of N'Golo Conte and Jorginho, like, you just, there's just not enough height. Hey, don't there's forget Espy. He's probably about 5'9". Five 5'10", five um, but who's counting? Uh, look, I I think the the ten. Koundé thing couldn't matter less to me. I, I mean, just, I'll be honest about it. Like, he's a tidy player. He's a good player. He clearly warrants the fee that, that Sevilla want. But you think that, like, Monchi's good. He's not Marina. He's not going to get one over on Marina in the last hours, especially when we have Super Trev Chaloba just waiting there for minutes. Like, you, you can take you can take your fifty five million and and put it where the sun don't shine, my friend, because that was that was about all you were going to get for him. And the fact that he goes in and has a terrible performance for for uh, France today, uh, by all accounts, uh, it doesn't do him any good either in the in the January uh, market. So I, I'm. I don't care about this. I want Super Trev to to play a lot this season. I want him to play a lot of cup minutes. I want him to play in the league against opponents where we need a little bit more height. And this Kunde thing can wait. It is not a it's not remotely a an issue right now. I had a bunch of people come and tell me that I was an idiot on Twitter this week, which was a lot of fun because I didn't think that this was a necessity. And they're like, "Oh yeah, but the deals for uh, Christensen and Rudiger haven't been signed yet." If you just listen to our podcast with Matt Law at any point over the last month, he'll tell you that both are likely to happen. And even if uh, Rudiger doesn't happen, we still have depth. We're still fine, uh, even after selling Zuma because of uh, the fact that we have Tiago Silva and Dave and Reese James who can deputize in that role and a bunch of other things that can go right. So please, this is not an issue. Go get the center back you want at the right price and we'll make a deal when we want to. Look. Chelsea aren't going to get punked by Sevilla. It's no. simple. Like, again, from all accounts, from all the journals, journalists out there who we listen to, um, the fee was agreed upon a m- many a days ago, all right? And then at the 11th hour, Sevilla came back and wanted more. Marina said, no, get lost. We had an agreement, you know, because they saw we sold Zuma. It's so like, oh, you have more money now. 
And again, talk about pragmatism from the club. They're not going to break the bank for a, a player that really just gave them depth. You know, isn't a, probably wasn't going to be an impact, you know, game changing player to come in, especially with the way our right side has been. I think it's kind of weird that Tuchel has identified the right side of the defense as somewhere he wants to uh, focus on, especially we, we apparently were looking at Hakimi as well, who went to PSG. So, um, I don't know. I think as fans, we all felt really good about the right side of the defense. Clearly, Tuchel sees something different. So hopefully Trev uh, scratches that itch for him. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, the club didn't overchase on on Kunde, especially because uh, time is on their side. He is a young uh, player. And if he just goes and gets another 30 matches in La Liga, that's really only going to help us. So I would say poor timing for that red card today. I saw a lot of people jumping on Kunde's back about... Oh, what a terrible decision that was almost from Chelsea. Like, mm, yeah, I'll give it a red card, but like now you're just going to completely write the guy off. Yeah, seems seems a little bit silly. All right. On the flip side, Chelsea had a few outgoings as well. Unlike the word Dan used in the script, which was outcomings. So uh, interesting. So okay. Tammy Abraham, Kurt Zuma, Fakao Tamori, Davide Zapacasta, Victor Moses and Olivier Giroud were the permanent exits. No sense. Well, I'm sorry, there's more, but there's no sense in going through all the loans, people. Let's not be crazy. Uh, Mark Gurhi, Louis Bate, Daniel Simu, and Valentino Livermento all left as well. So out of that big old pile, Nick, um, there's, there's a lot of fringe being cut off the cloth, you could say, but there's also some players that I think really tug at the heartstrings that ended up in Milan together that maybe in another universe we would have liked to still have on the squad. Yeah, uh, you know, Giroud going makes sense if you're going to bring in Big Rom. You know, we, we obviously will wish Giroud well for the rest of eternity for, for what he gave us over the last uh, four seasons. Absolute pro's pro, uh, wonderful guy. You know, I think just... You know, needed something different, especially as France go into the World Cup cycle and need to play a lot. Took the number nine shirt at Milan, started scoring right away. So uh, we'll always root for Olivier. Uh, Tammy's the one I think that probably stands out here as the one that hurt the, me the most anyway. Not not everyone the most, but me. Um, the fact that he has started so brilliantly in Roma, uh, just long may it continue. I want to see this crazy train of Mourinho and Tammy just go as far and long as it can. Uh, you know, the fact that he's scoring bangers, that he's assisting, that he's playing with confidence and swag and nutmegging people and doing tricks and stuff is, is just wonderful. Um, and I, I really hope that he plays himself into a Chelsea reunion someday. Dan, thoughts? I guess I just assumed you were ready to pick it up and talk about how <laughs> destroyed you are that Victor Moses finally signed permanently for Spartak Moscow. Oh, good, good for him. He, he deserves a permanent home. And... It's interesting because when you look at the construct of our outgoings, you know, we made okay money on players that, I mean, Victor Moses probably comes down as a net profit over the many years that he's been at Chelsea and loan fees and things of that nature. Uh, Drew most likely doesn't. Um, I mean, he was like an 18 million pound transfer in. And so it's probably the trophies we won. The trophies we won, the trolling of Arsenal we got, fantastic. <laughs> Definitely, you know, cannot replace that. That the video of he, him by the way, the Europa he League trolled the Arsenal alone. fans. He wasn't even us. He trolled the Arsenal fans. But you know, you've had you have a lot of promising youngsters who represent the large portion of what our outgoing sales were. 
So you have Tammy, you have Tamori, Gurhi, Livermento. Oh, like you have Andrin too, right? I you've, mean, that, that's uh, Andrin on done. a loan uh, with an option to buy. I thought it was a full sale. No, sure. it's a loan with a buyout clause um, that uh, Naz reported earlier. Okay. Um, so in, in that regard, there's a lot of people who are actually on that loan list, Brandon Busby, who mm-hmm. we did not sell, who we couldn't move off, who we had to renew on extensions, who are potentially having wages subsidized by Chelsea <laughs> or were paying a loan fee. Uh, are being paid a loan fee for a period or which may not cover all of their expenses. And so in general, like we're still paying for a lot of sins of the past of bad purchases that we've made and are still trying to right the ship in that regard. And I think that's where, to me, the biggest problem this window was to start to right size this squad, right size the team, get people transitioned appropriately and I think that's where I feel like we did an okay job, but really could have done a lot better. And I, I also will raise my hands and say, yes, I know COVID plays a massive impact on that. There are plenty of teams who can't spend, who can't afford it. But like we we have to figure out how do we get out of some of these contracts. Like that that is just the reality of the situation. Like we're gonna we're going into the season. Ross Barkley does not have a squad number. Lewis Baker is still listed uh, on our team. Charlie Musana Jr. Um, uh, SARS deal kind of collapsed at the end. We have players who are at Cobham right now and who don't have an understanding of what their future entails at the moment. Um, and that's that's a rough spot. And I, I think that's where the club maybe just didn't didn't execute fully. Uh, I mean, to be fair, there was an army, about 100 of them to get through. I think they did an OK job with the ones they got out. Um, you know, I'm, I think of the bunch of the loans that I, I'm looking for, Connor, Connor Gallagher's had a wonderful start at Palace, which shouldn't be a surprise because he, has, Great he had a wonderful loan at West Brom last year. Uh, scored two goals uh, in the game against West Ham, uh, which means that, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get a, a little bit more advanced this year probably than he did uh, at West Brom last year when it was a, a defensive shell, which is great. And then, look, Billy Gilmore going to Norwich, I think, is still a great move, especially now that we know that we finally got a a midfield to replace him, right? Um, I I think him playing every week is going to just be what he needs to kind of make that final leap into Chelsea's squad and be a serious player there. So, I mean, this is... This is all good to me. You know, I think Tino Andrews in getting minutes too is interesting. I really, really hope that Ragnick has a plan for him and that he's able to play and solidify a position because he's also been, Brandon, one of those tweeners at Chelsea where he's played on the left. He's played kind of as a second striker. He's played as a 10. He's played on the, like, we need one position for him so he can begin to dominate and, and cement himself and gain confidence. So I really hope that, that those three have, have wonderful seasons. I hope that everyone has a wonderful season, but those are the three I'm probably looking at the most. I want to go back real quick. Nas had a tweet today, you know, kind of in, in reference to Dan's point about the Academy. Uh, and he said, it looks bad, but the Academy has done its job. They've raised over 90 million of Chelsea's 130 million of player sales through Cobham produced lads. Hashtag CFC have buyback clauses for Andrew and Lievermento and Abraham, but they are quite big ones. So again, you know, I think even Phil's kind of, I've talked about this with Phil a little bit. The Academy is there to produce professional football players. It can't always be at Chelsea. 
And I think, thankfully, the good thing to remember, everybody, is that that quote-unquote magic road is not closed at Cobham at this point. So um, I understand that, but to have buyback clauses be talked about so publicly in the transfers, I think, gives us some confidence. I think we're seeing that Chelsea overall did some really good business. They even cut their losses and took a financial loss uh, on a couple of players just to move some of these out, and they're really you know, trying to, to, they moved what they could, right? So we get upset that like a Lewis Bate, a Dino Simu and a Levermento leave, but at the same time, they're the ones that had value. And then you get into this, this list, right? Kennedy, Baba Rockman, Matt Miazga, <laughs> Danny Drinkwater, like they don't have the value they need to move. We're playing, we're paying for sins from 2015, y'all. Come on, man. Like exactly th- that. I mean, that's crazy town it right is. there. And, and the rules are changing, and you can't hoard talent, quote-unquote. So the number of players you can even have on loan is getting reduced as well. Well, and it is interesting, though, and I think this is probably the point I want to make. I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but I think there was a time where there were a lot of players on this loan list that we were like, I don't know, they might make the squad, <laughs> right? And now there is such a clear definition of how good you have to be to get to the first team that none of these cats were close to making the squad. And I think that's a really good thing, right? We're champions of Europe. You, Danny Drinkwater doesn't make this squad. He can't. It's impossible. He's not good enough. And that that goes for some of the guys that we like, too. You know, that it, you know, it hurts to say, you know, Ethan Ampadu, not good enough to be in this squad right now. Needs to play more. Billy Gilmore, probably not good enough to be in the squad and play enough to, to gain experience. You know, Connor Gallagher, a man without a place at Chelsea a little bit um, because Mason Mount plays that role. <laughs> um, you know, so it it does hurt to say that about some of these guys, but other guys are like, yeah, you're just you're not at the level, man. You're not even close. And Tuchel has made this this unbelievable team with an unbelievable sense of confidence that you can't see a lot of these guys coming back from loans and, and coming to Chelsea. So I think it's a, a lot of just elevation of our first team squad and some of these players just not ever reaching up to to grab it yeah again i think the club did a lot would we have liked them to do more yeah but i would like to think that they tried to balance the outgoings and the incomings as best they could uh just to tie off uh marco vahinko danilo pontich and easy brown all left on freeze uh, and then released, which is a far harsher term, was Willie Caballero and Jamal Blackman, a couple of goalkeepers. Just again, they're just unnecessary, you know, for the hate on goalkeepers this episode. I just, I mean, what's Bettinelli's song? Do we even have a song yet? I mean, what are we doing? Nope. Um, there's probably something, but I will say, good for Marco Van Ginkle. Yeah. He had an absolute curse time at Chelsea. There's I think he's now, he's now PSV's captain, if I'm not mistaken. And that's correct. And I really, really hope that he has a great rest of his career. He's only 28. You know, like the, the crazy thing is we've been talking about Marco Van Hinkle for for seven years now, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just he never quite got healthy enough to play for Chelsea. And I'm I'm really, really happy that he got a move to to, you know, go to his homeland and play uh, meaningful minutes for for PSV. And it, I mean, that story just is a, a bit of a shame uh, with all the injuries. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, a lot of movement, right? But we're going to take a quick break uh, because we need to. But when we get back, we have a bunch of questions from all you out there. So I think this will help kind of round out the conversation. Uh, So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. 
All right, real quick before we get into mas preguntas or more questions, uh, Dan, more episodes coming this week. Do not forget, tune in to your local station and get more of, actually, not us. Well, I mean, it's not a station. It's a podcast mm-hmm. application, Brandon Busby, but uh, tune Brandad. Tune receiver. Yeah, okay, Brandad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> coming this week still is we do have a women's season preview that Nick uh, did yeah. with two of our friends here, uh, hosted it, fourth choice host. First choice on that pod to get us across the line. We also have a couple episodes dropping next week. We have a women's season opener, so we'll review that match. We've got the Chelsea Youth uh, Month in Review, so we'll kind of talk about how the first month of the Academy came together. And then, crazy enough, the end of the international break will be over at the end of next week, so we'll have to talk about the Aston Villa match coming up. So stay tuned. More pods. All right, well, let's jump into some of your questions off of the old socials. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> right away Luke Blakemore asking me very clearly what are your current relations between Chelsea and Sevilla not good Bob yeah not <laughs> not not where they would like them uh, I don't think Chelsea going to be dipping their toe into that water anytime soon uh, but more maybe a little bit importantly uh, Joe asking any news on Aurelia and Tuchemeni Nick and unfortunately I'd say no news is bad news nope uh, not anything uh, real uh, for for some time now. To be fair, like you know, we haven't really you know potentially been tracking him for a minute. So um, I know that this is a a Joe Tweed's favorite, and you know the, the Tweeds has invested time in scouting uh, Mr. Shuameni, uh the the shoo train, uh, if you will. Uh, but yeah, there, there's nothing nothing here. The thing that Matt said, uh, Matt Law said on the podcast that we did earlier this week before the window shut is that there's potentially a belief that Chuameni is maybe just a little early for that Chelsea move that maybe needs just a touch more development and more football, which he will get this season. And so is there a chance potentially next summer if he hasn't secured a move to another team? Potentially. So just be one to watch in terms of how does he progress? Maybe it gives you an option to watch the Monaco games this season with a little bit of a scout's eye on. Um, if Cesc Fabregas continues to be his agent, he's going to get a move very soon. <laughs> I mean, I think the good news is he didn't go anywhere. Therefore, he's still in the running, which is which is important, which is good. Um, the blue on Twitter asks, Review needs before wants, aka we got covered the two positions we need the most. Others would have been nice, but not essential. So now that we got the business covered, are we mishandling Callum Hudson or Doyne Ampadu by not sending Cho on loan and <laughs> quote, sending Ampadu on garbage loans? End quote. I mean, I think in in terms of you know Callum Hudson Adoy, look, Tuchel is spoiled in the sense that got a lot of matches this season. And the problem is that a manager wants two to three quality options at every position, and Callum fits a wingback option. Now, I don't think he really wants to play there long-term for his career, but the fact that he can do a job, Ziyech has some injury problems, Pulisic has had some injury problems. Tuchel can sleep better at night knowing Callum Hudson-Odoi is at Cobham, potentially to his detriment. They're sacrificing his potential development for the needs of the team and that sucks for him uh and i think that you know you know i think chelsea youth has put out the stats that you know 
I, what's the, what's the new one? XT. Apparently, Callum Hudson Doe is a baller when it comes to expected threats and things like that on the field. Mm-hmm. It just he hasn't really gotten a, a good consistent run, and and that's the the problem as far as Ampadu goes. I mean, there's a lot of things that have gone wrong for him, um, but at the same time, he hasn't been able to break through, uh, you know, even consistently at Sheffield. So, you know, part of it is he's got to prove himself as well. So, uh, I don't know, Dan. The thing with, that was reported a little yesterday that I didn't think got a lot of attention was that there was some discussion of a move for Ampadu to Newcastle in the last half of the day, but the Saul deal took a very long time to get completed. And because of that, that reduced the options for Ampadu. And so Newcastle would probably have been a solid loan an industrial loan for him to they would have really enjoyed some of his tackles the 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 newcastle fans would have enjoyed ethan ampadu i think the uh venicia um i i think that's going to be a tough that's gonna be another relegation battle two seasons in a, in a row you know he was with sheffield and he had a chance to play in a defensive mid-roll and a center back opportunity as well i i just I do think it's not a great loan that he is going to the best fashion brand uh, next to PSG in terms of <laughs> world football uh, versus a, a side that's going to maybe be a little bit more competitive. And I think if I had my druthers, yeah, it'd be great to send Callum on loan to get minutes. But, you know, then you kind of look at like where our attack goes with one injury if you're actually going to play him an attack. And, and I think what might be the factor here is Christian Pulisic has not been the healthiest player. And so if you think that maybe he's half, right? Like between the two of them, between, you know, Hakimi uh, or um, Hakim uh, Ziyech as well, like you you have some fragile attackers. And so you could very quickly find Calum hubson Adoy moving up the chart, Nick. Yeah, I'm worried about him, honestly. I think the the... Yeah, you know, I'm, wor- I'm worried about more than just him as well. But uh, you know, particularly on him, I-, I think the fact that he has not had a real run in th- in three different managers, three different styles. You know, yes, he's young, but you know, we've we've all seen the stats that when he's on the pitch, he usually does something dynamic: uh, actions towards goal, uh, assists. You know, a couple of goals under under Sari. Um, I just don't know where he plays. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I think it's just a positional problem more than anything right now. And like, I, I think Ruben has the same problem. Um, to, to be frank, I think both of these players are kind of without a permanent positional home. Uh, and that that's a real problem because Z, if Ziyech is, is a known quantity, Pulisic is an emerging quantity, uh, Cal has not beat them out for you say what you want about either one of them go for it you know the 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 problem is if Cal were a real threat to them then you would see him starting every other week in the Premier League or in the Champions League and he just hasn't really ever got that much of a run and the reason I'm worried about him is that he's been at Chelsea for so long that you know much like Ruben if, if you don't start to play that you're just an expensive academy graduate, <laughs> and that that really sucks. I mean, we all know that I love Ruben Loftus Cheek. Ruben's not going to sniff the field this season. It seems like, 
you know, unless there's catastrophic injury to the team. I mean, and knock on wood, that doesn't happen. It, it just, it's a real bummer. And, you know, I don't think Cal's a right winger. I don't think he's a right wing back. I think he needs to play an attack. That's where I would prefer to see him play. I want him closer to goal, making goal actions. Like, I don't want to see him defending. I, I don't have any use for that. So, sorry, that's my soliloquy on Cal Monsonadoy. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot, lot of potential that we've seen it, just not a consistent run, sometimes lacks end product. So we'll have to see. Uh, I was kind of surprised Dortmund came in again. A lot of interest in Germany for him. Obviously, he almost went to Bayern, uh, ended up getting that big deal, um, you know, patient while he rehabbed his Achilles. But uh, he, he definitely looks fully fit and ready to go. So um, hopefully fortunes change, but well, and, it's and, not going to be easy. To be fair to him, like, there are going to be a bunch of players coming back from World Cup qualifiers who will have to go through some sort of quarantine or, or go through testing or not be fit to play in the next couple of Premier League matches. Uh, maybe he gets a chance there, right? Pulisic's not going to be ready for a Premier League match right after this World Cup qualifying cycle that the U.S. are going through. So maybe he does get a chance. But, I, I mean, if it's just cup games for him, is that enough for anyone? No. I don't think so. And that's no. not enough for me. I want to see him play. I just don't think he's better than Pulisic or Ziyech. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, things get quite a bit busier late September when Champions League matches start, I guess, mid-September. So we'll find out very quickly if there are, quote-unquote, matches to play for uh, our full squad depth. Um, TK asking on Twitter, proper nail biter. What are, your, uh, what are our main realistic targets for Chelsea this season? Two trophies? Question mark. Cheers, guys. I mean, we did our predictions. We all kind of threw numbers out there. But now that we know what the settled roster is um, and we've got a few matches under our belt, then we can kind of use some of those data points to maybe be a little bit more accurate with what we're thinking. Uh, TK there going for two trophies. That seems still reasonable. I mean, strong start to the season, only dropped two points. And that was away uh, at Anthony Taylor. I mean, Liverpool um, <laughs> down a man for an entire half. Yeah, and uh, currently on track to uh, best our record of goals conceded uh, <laughs> um, or right now, which is very interesting. Uh, again, only a small subset of matches, but uh, good good times at the moment. Look, I I think I said three in the predictions, was including the Super Cup, the Club World Cup, and then one of the league trophies. Um, probably not the League Cup, because that just seems to go City's way every time with the draw. But the FA Cup, I think we could stand a really good shot at. I would be so bold as to say I think we are... The way our defense looks, I actually think we have a legitimate th challenge to the title. I think it's... I actually think right now with what United's done, you know, they don't have the midfield still, uh, even after reinforcing their attack. City will figure out a way to score goals, but not having Harry Kane there is very interesting to them, uh, to, for me, uh, evaluating them. And Liverpool are an older side that didn't really sign anybody. They signed one player. Um, so they're going to have to rely upon fitness working out well for them. So I would actually say... Uh, Tuchel won't say it. The odds makers probably won't say it, but we are probably the best shot at the size of squad required to go out and win the damn thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think we're still just a smidge, um, short in the league, but you know, I would agree that the first two games of the season, there's this 
there's this overwhelming swagger and determination about this team that you wouldn't be shocked if they if they really gave it a run. You know, I expect us, you know, per per the Dan and Nick show a couple weeks ago, to be there or thereabouts around the holidays. And like you don't know what'll fucking happen after that. I mean, you know, we know that title winning time is really kind of that February, March time, and then, you know, it's pretty much coasting until until the end of the season. But you know, that that's kind of the the thing to me is that there just seems to be this air of, of confidence. You add Big Rom to the mix, obviously that changes a lot. You uh, add Saul Niguez, Niguez, uh, who cares, um, to the mix, and I think it shores up some deficiencies that you have there. Uh, and then you get Big Trev a, a real go at this thing, man, and I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about Big Trev. So, yeah, I, I'd say... I think I think I said four. I thought I thought we'd win the, the league, the league cup, and the FA Cup. Um, I swear to God, if we don't win the FA Cup, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, it wouldn't be surprising to me if we if we uh, if we gave that you know s- sort of league challenge. The, the, you know, I, I don't think we're that far off. Maybe just a little short. Man City signed two players. Liverpool signed one. I think United signed a handful. We're at three. So the teams up and around the top really didn't do a lot of business uh, because you're just fine tuning what you have. Um, my only can my only pre- like way I can kind of simulate us not ending with a piece of silverware is if we go and far in multiple competitions and it just stretches us injuries whatever it may be. I mean we saw I wouldn't say the wheels fall off at the end, but massive distractions of the Champions League final wanting to take wanting to stay healthy for that that we definitely sacrifice some end-of-season form. Um, that's the only way I could see something slip. But we've seen when this team gets close to a trophy, uh, they show up. And I think having that character and having that success in this team is massive. I remember Lukaku is coming as a Serie A title winner. Dude has trophies in the trunk. I think if we go on to win the league this season, we'll look back at the match against Liverpool and defending down a man, feeling aggrieved as the this was the moment we showed that we had credentials to go run this thing. Yeah, I think that that's the attitude I'm talking about. And I hope I hope that stays with us all year. I mean, there are here. Here's not a surprise. There are going to be ups and downs this season for Chelsea. There will be times. What? I know. A drama it's a crazy FC. schedule. Just look at the, the, the slate of fixtures. Yeah, it's it's wild, but I, I just hope they keep, you know, much like Tuchel's done since he arrived, to be fair to him, really steady Eddie vibes, right? You're never as good as your wins, you're never as bad as your losses. You know, stay in the in the middle uh, and, and just watch Big Ron banging the goals. Mm-hmm. All right, last one we have is from Big Tuck. It says, in response to the tweet, it will do. Realistically, how much playing time does Chalaba get this season? Well, I can tell you a hell of a lot more than he was about to 48 hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, he uh, He's probably one waking up with the window closed and said, all good? All right, all good. My my turn. So, uh, yeah, look, Tuck, he's going to, he's, you know, I'd say he's probably going to get some good minutes. I mean, again, he hasn't played what in two matches, but it was not of his own fault. Like, dude, let's not forget he played in the Super Cup uh, where we won, and he played when we pummeled Palace and scored a goal. So in my eyes, Trevo is still on fine form, writing a great run of it. And 
I'm ready for him to go back in. I'm not worried about it, Dan. He got subbed in, too, at the end of the Liverpool match as well. So, I mean, that kind of shows the trust already that Tuchel has for him to go in at the dying moments of defending your heart out to take the point. And so that's a really nice thing to see as well. I I think that it's probably somewhere in the thousand to twelve hundred minutes would probably be like a really good benchmark to set you know if you think about um maybe one or two league cup games potentially one or two fa cup matches maybe depending on who we play in the club world cup maybe a appearance there and then in the group stages if we clear house pretty quickly maybe he gets two or three appearances there like you could quickly see that across all comps you could come up with that number um pretty reasonably 1800 minutes dan that's what he's getting this season there are too many matches too close together especially around christmas uh tuchel's gonna have to rotate dave he's gonna have to rotate tiago silva he's gonna have to rotate rudiger trev's gonna play um there's no doubt in my mind that he's gonna play and you know yeah some of it may be closer john ob mikel role minutes uh at the end of games that's okay he'll pick up a couple here or there but I think in general, he's going to play on the right side of that three. And uh, I am very excited for him. I think we're all rooting a little extra hard for him, given everyone who left this summer. And, you know, I think we all have this desire for our academy graduates to still make it at Chelsea. Um, and, you know, may he be the next one to to really shine. Out of all of the academy graduates, didn't expect Trevo to be the one still on the roster <laughs> come the beginning of this season. Also, we have a pretty special piece of artwork that we're going to come out with uh, pretty yeah. soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, Tattoo worthy for all you crazies in our Discord with those yeah. Chelsea tats. Um, all right, let's go ahead and grade this window out of 10. 10 being the highest, 1 being the worst. Uh, let's see, Dan. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Integers only. I, I know with you, you're you're bad about splicing decimal points. Yeah, yeah, I, I would probably decimal. I, I'm going to say a seven. I I think you know the addition of Lukaku, the deal for Saul is really solid. I think it gives us flexibility heading in the next window. I I think actually the idea of signing Hakimi would have been really like if you're talking about like upgrading and buying top tier talent would have been a great acquisition. But it seems like that deal was not executed fully there's still a lot of players that we need to clear out and I, I just would have liked to see more happen in that regard more permanent departures rather than like extensions of loan to get them out for a season like I get that that was the worst case scenario for trying to maintain profit whereas Spurs just agree to <laughs> end contracts with Serge Aurier um so yeah, I I probably be closer to like a seven five, uh, but I'll, I'm gonna round down uh, because I'm not allowed to use decimal points. Pretty much not allowed to. Uh, Nick, what about you? Solid eight. Okay, no doubt in my mind. Solid eight. It would have been an eight to me without Saul. I think that was just a nice kind of cherry on top. Uh, I think Big Rom coming in is such a massive deal for this club. You know, it's it's not yesterday's news, so I think people are already kind of like you know, casting it aside is like, oh yeah, we have big ROM, but like, why didn't we buy 18 other players? Like, what are you even doing, Chelsea? And that's just not the way it works anymore. Uh, the club are clearly operating within a different budget structure and we're able to recoup a lot of his fee uh, and then some based on player sales. 
that is good for Chelsea. That is good for our books. That's good for the profitability of the club, uh, especially after a pandemic, uh, a tough pandemic season financially where you didn't have fans in the stands, right? So, uh, so yeah, I think it's a solid eight. Uh, I, I think Saul coming in is great. Um, I think a lot of players that we got rid of are, you know, it's disappointing, but you understand the reasons why as we already went through. And the fact that you got Daniel Drinkwater out of Cobham and into a Reading shirt, cool. All right, controversy. I was eight, but I'm going to bump up to nine, and here's why. One, we're not complaining about any of our signings. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, Bettinelli is an English goalkeeper in the third spot. Been asking for that for a couple years now. So mm-hmm. check the box from a roster build standpoint. Uh, two, again, bringing in one of the best forwards in the world. Brilliant fit. All right, so those are kind of the positives on the incoming side. On the outgoing side, I think Chelsea moved a lot of players, which is good. Did they move all of them? No, but they moved more than the average club has to, and they did. So not only did we move bring in top players, the worst part about the incomings is that like Kunde was a why. No one questioned his quality. It was uh, just, do we need it? So we were getting get mad at Chelsea for being a luxury buying club. Like, oh, bummer. Uh, on the other side, on the outgoings, I think that really smart buybacks. A lot of very public buybacks in the contracts for these players because they know when Tammy goes, by the way, is balling at Roma. <laughs> My gosh. Who is the manager? Like, <laughs> What oh, the most attacking-minded manager <laughs> yeah. in the world, Jose Mourinho. Yeah. But, you know, they they put in a a uh, clause in there to buy him back instead of having to get, you know, Romelu Lukaku in at uh, 100 mil. So the outgoing business was smart. Immediately generated cash for top, top signings. Didn't overspend. Uh, didn't, I would say rush to fill gaps on deadline day a la Drinkwater's Abacasta all in all, like Chelsea fans, we are very calm and happy. Lukaku, once it kind of started to tilt that way and moved off Holland, done. And I think I'm, you know, the fact that the cherry on top is that you got Danny Drinkwater out on loan. I mean, what else could you ask for? I know my man, our man, Andrew, is uh, sleeping nice knowing that he doesn't have to sh- pop up at Cobham and see uh, Danny Drinkwater anymore. Again, nothing against him personally. It's just not a good fit. So uh, highly optimistic. I think you could probably say that there's some more negative strikes on that. But the fact that we don't have to complain and, I mean, look, we didn't even drop a landmine in the middle of our roster like United did signing Ronaldo. I mean, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with that, but... Um, they should have announced him as a co-manager. I mean, let's be honest. That is now Ronaldo's team. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is relegated to the benches. He would have been there, there, there anyway. But, there, yeah. There's a whole lot to say about Ronaldo um, in general. Uh, clearly not, uh, you know, hits a milestone today as uh, the you know greatest international men's scorer in the game. Um, but on the backbone of like 48 hours after Manchester City uh, issues with Mendy came to light. Uh, Ronaldo's being celebrated and has his own concerns uh, about past indiscretions as it relates to uh, assaults that uh, continue to not be a forefront of conversation. And so uh, that's a good opportunity if you are not aware of those things. Der Spiegel did great reporting on it previously in the past. But um, yeah, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great person. Der Spiegel, they do the uh, football leaks. So anyways, they they are renowned for uh, investigative journalism into the football world. So definitely go go check that out. Uh, but hey, that's going to wrap us up. Let us know what your score was on this transfer window. Again, I was probably overshooting, but 
I think I got some pretty good points. Dan coming in as the realist and Nick uh, cracking half a smile, giving us an eight out of 10, which honestly, I think we can all take right now in our lives. So yeah, international break. You're going to have to go an entire weekend without us, but we'll give you a pod before and after. Uh, so don't worry about you that. Got, you got two Chelsea women's pods coming, a season preview uh, tomorrow, Friday, That's right. we're listening to this. I apologize. Come on. Chelsea, I- Chelsea Arsenal, right? Yes. Yeah. Kicking off the FAWCL season in style. Do Baby. not take the weekend off. Baby, I'm telling you, this is a good podcast. I did it uh, with our friend Abdullah and our friend Jesse. Uh, we cranked out an incredible you know, hour plus of content on the Chelsea women's team. Go watch them this weekend. They're a hell of a lot of fun. Emma Hayes and crew back and ready to fire. And then we're going to be back with a match review on Monday of that game. So lots going on. And I'm I'm hosting that shit. So (laughs) get out of my face, Brandon. Yeah, that's right. I apologize. There there is Chelsea content going on. Uh, My mistake. So check it out. We'll be covering it as usual. But anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Thank you again, everyone, so much uh, for the questions, for the participation. We'd love to hear what you've made of the transfer window. Social media is a good way. Patreon and Discord is the best way. So that's going to wrap us up. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.